Hi, and welcome back to the Be A Better Ally podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. On this week, I am overjoyed to sit down with another podcaster who is also trying to use this podcast platform for building awareness, for advocacy, and for having conversations that are going to spark other conversations. Before we get into that conversation, I do want to remind you that I also work on a few other podcasts, one of which is the Shifting Schools podcast. It's out every Monday. This coming Monday, I sit down with the author of the just-released book, Data Cartels. Data Cartels was written by Professor Sarah Lambden. It's recently been written about in Wired magazine. So I'm going to include the link to that article in the show notes, as well as the link to the Shifting Schools podcast. If your school is having conversations about data literacy, information literacy, that episode coming this Monday is one that I think you're going to want to catch. I also want to remind you to save the date for Tuesday, November 29th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 p.m. PST. We have a free gathering. This is for anybody who facilitates a SOGI group, a GSA group, or a student advocacy group. The topic of our meeting will be exploring templates that will help students curate and begin to tell the legacy of their student group. So if that is of interest, the registration link is over there in the show notes as well. Now on with today's show. As I mentioned, today's guest is a fellow podcaster. It's Shayla Fazi, host of the show I'm a Muslim and That's Okay. Shayla never thought that she was going to be a podcaster. She claims that she hated the way she sounds, but on a whim one day as encouragement to a friend who wanted to start podcasting, but was too afraid to give it a start. Shayla actually decided to give it a start and loved it. Podcasting isn't her day job. She also freelances as a graphic designer, illustrator, and product photographer. In her downtime, her podcast is about the human experience of being Muslim. If you want to reach out with today's guest, over there in the show notes, I will link to the contact page. You'll also hear us discuss a few specific episodes of her show. Don't worry, we have curated those specific links for you in the show notes as well. Enjoy. I was revisiting one of your older episodes from way back in 2020 that's entitled, I Could Tell You Where I'm From, But It's Complicated Part One. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to sort of remind you of, uh, it's, been, it's been quite a few episodes since then. Uh, one, of the, one of the quotes from that episode that you say is, quote, I think the media portrays a certain narrative and it's not true for every one of us, end quote. Um, you know, 2020, both for me feels simultaneously forever ago and like it's right. only been a quick moment. So I'm wondering, right. you know, since you've been having that conversation or since you had that reflection, where do you feel the state of media is at? Do you get the sense that we have a better representation, that we have more nuanced stories? Or would you say that we're, you know, when, when we're talking about media representation, that we're sort of still in that place that we were when you first recorded that episode? Well, here's the thing. Um, especially with media representation, it is um, so heavily dependent on uh, people's ideologies and mindsets and all of these things. Um, 
So when it comes to Muslim representation, and I must clarify over here, is that uh, my experience, my background, my everything would be so different from somebody who's Muslim and who grew up over here or somebody who's Muslim and is from another country. I, I grew up in Pakistan. Again, my uh, experiences, all of these things would be different from somebody who grew up here as Muslim, even if they're from Pakistani background. There may be some similarities, um, some cultural things that do get intertwined, but still our experiences are different. So in all fairness, it would be hard to portray Muslims in any one way. And that has to be remembered. And that goes universally for all people from all backgrounds. Um, that That's just how it is. But when it comes to media representation, I found that live action representation still lacks. Um, and But I, I put that in with an asterisk because I'll get to that later. I've seen a lot of um, characters, not main characters, mind you, that I can I can see that they have, especially hijabi um, Muslims, I can see them in animated characters now, which was the first time it had been pointed out was by my son. And it was a show called Hilda, an animated show. This was some time ago. And there was a character that she wore a hijab. And that was a shocker to me. I had never seen that and my kids were so excited and but that's the power of it that when kids can see somebody who's from them it makes them excited about it uh, and I see that more and more now in other animated shows as well live action um, there are some shows um, if I had to put one, uh, one show into perspective which I've heard about I've not personally seen but Rami is one of them um, it does uh, follow the storyline of a, a particular Muslim and his, you know, interactions being Muslim. Um, but I have not seen it as well. So I don't I can't tell you in context, you know, how accurate it is or not. The one uh, in live action that really sticks out, especially it stuck out for me coming from a Pakistani background was Miss Marvel by Netflix. That by and large um I, I when I read about it, I was really excited to watch it. But I had, you know, I had not told my family that it, it centered around a completely Pakistani Muslim family and the, the entire adventure and the backstory all comes from our historical context. And I hadn't told them, but I said, like, I really want us to watch Miss Marvel. And literally the whole room shifted when they mm. found out that this was about a Muslim Pakistani family. And so many things, you know, came in that we could relate to. Um, and that was that was huge for for me and my family, especially we're Pakistani, we're Muslims. And it showed us in a very, very full way. But that only came about because the writer and directors and a lot of the the, the cast and you know production pre-production were from Muslim and Pakistani background. That's one of those things that still has not seeped into, um, I guess, live action media as much as it needs to. I see a lot of minority representation. It's always a good start. You know, we need to have more minority representation, not just in front of the screen, but behind the scene as well because they are the ones who will be able to accurately portray life experiences as we as minorities see it 
I think the other problem is, is that I spoke of Miss Marvel and I was so excited. I loved it, but I didn't see a, it making a whole lot of waves in, I guess, popular media narratives, social media, whatever. And it was like, it was all over when it came, came to like Muslim Twitter, Muslim TikTok, but I didn't see a whole lot of being spoken about it in any other form. And that's also a problem because then it's just us consuming and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But then I'm, I don't see Miss Marvel getting a season two mm-hmm. and that's a problem. Yeah. I think for me, you know, what the, the phrase that you just said, it's a start, like that's a mm-hmm. really important thing to remember. And that issue of, either amplification or in some cases like suppression of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of these sort of um, boundary breaking narratives. I talk on the show a lot about how we can use social media to amplify how, you know, if you are active in some of those review spaces, how powerful that can be to organize and make sure, um, you know, when you're watching, leave it that positive review right. um, help help make sure that other people are getting connected to that story as well and you know hosting you on my show your podcast i mean you might agree with this that i i really do think that podcasts have this incredible immense power to inspire change and i do oh, yes. think um part of that for me has always been the ability to just sit with a conversation and reserve perhaps the urge to like instantly react, right? Like when Mm. I'm listening to other shows, I really am just forced to listen. And I kind of think for for a lot of us that that might be a good thing. And what you were talking about with Miss Marvel, um, I don't know if you would have heard TED Radio Hours, one of my, like every week, I make sure I tune into that. And uh, the host, Manoush Zomorodi, is like one of my podcasting heroes. And she sort of goes back into how that was produced and a lot of the backlash Mm that came along the way. So listeners, right. I might also put that into the show notes because that's um, that's a really important show. And so when there are some of those shows who are amplifying, I think that can be right. really powerful. And for right. listeners who, if you listen to a lot of pop culture review shows and you're noticing week after week, it's always the same kind of representation. Mm. That's the power of social media, right? Like reach right. out to them and let them know like, hey, did you know this is coming up? Did you know that you can reach out to, you know, um, and, and just sort of some of that nudging, I think, is powerful. In a more recent episode of uh, your show, you know, you have these different themed mm-hmm. shows, which I think is really cool. I, I admire that. And, and you have shows where you just, you know, quote unquote, go solo and you discuss neurodiversity. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you might talk about your process in sharing that very personal story um, and and let us know, like, what responses you've had to it. So, um, it's one of those things that, um, especially I've, I'm much older now, um, when I was growing up, it's something that I always struggled with because at that time we didn't have the internet. If anybody can believe that, that there was a time when it wasn't the <laughs> internet. No, but it's true. Um, the knowledge and experience with these things, with neurodiversity, especially, and I'm going to like, again, put the asterisks in there. I'm self-diagnosed, but when you're part of the um, ADHD community, and especially I have ADHD and I'm on the spectrum as well, these are two things that are very complex, especially when it's together and in women. It presents itself very differently 
in women as opposed to men. And I'm not saying that there, there is like a black and white, there is like a male ADHD and there's a female. That's not it. It's just that um, because of how um, we are socially wired and are wired inside our brains, it has a tendency to present itself differently. Um, but I always struggled with a lot of things, especially when it came to not being able to understand a lot of things that existed socially that were by default understood by every other woman around me. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and when it comes to my ADHD, again, it was not a matter of hyperactivity that I had, but it, as an, and I've defined it in my episode, is just a constant stream of thought. And I thought everybody had that. It's only when, very recently, when I start, and I've always try, been trying to figure out what's wrong with me, and I'm going in air quotes, that's mm -hmm. how you feel, that there's something wrong with you. You don't understand anything around you, and you have a very distinct sense that everybody's not functioning the same way you are, but you don't know what's the problem. So, and as, you know, time went by, I do, I did encounter other friends who probably were going through the same struggle, but they had the opportunity of a formal diagnosis. And when they had their aha diagnosis, they shared it. And I was like, I'm checking off all these boxes too. Then, you know, that's the thing. The conclusion is then, yes, I do have ADHD and I am on the spectrum. Um, and you know, that's how it sort of came for me. And when I shared it in that episode, um, it was hard in a sense that, especially when you're Muslim, um, coming from my background, not from every Muslim background, it's not one of those things that's that's very, very well understood. Um, there's a lot of stigma that is surrounding, you know, mental health and uh, not a whole no knowledge, a whole lot of knowledge about neurodiversity and being on the spectrum, especially when you're on the spectrum. It's only seen in one way. Um, I have a cousin who is also who is autistic, but him his him being on a very far end of the spectrum in the sense that he is nonverbal completely, and most likely will have to be helped for the rest of his life. Um, that's that's the only um, picture a lot of people have about having autism or being on the spectrum. They don't understand a, a whole lot of nuances that exist with neurodiversity, how it's very individual between people to people. Like for anybody who sees me on the street, be like, you're just like any, any other person. How can you be on the spectrum? But they don't understand the inner workings and the inner um, masking and a lot of the inner struggles that exist in my day-to-day -day life. So when I did that episode, um, I specifically spoke about, about ADHD. And I had someone reach out to me and they were like, you're the first person I've, as a brown, as a brown woman who's spoken about this. And I understand when you say stream of thought, because I have that too. And that's the thing. My assumption was that everybody had the stream of thought. But then when I read somewhere that people can turn 
thoughts on and off. I was like, how is that possible? This is this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But then when you read into it, you're like, oh, this is this is how other people's brains work. It's just mine isn't working that mm -hmm. way. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I think that was such a powerful, powerful episode. And um, I, I just I kind of appreciate a you putting it out there and sharing it and then talking to us a little bit about, you know, that that process of that episode coming to be. Um, your show, as I mentioned earlier, you have different types of shows, different segments that you do. So you also have something called Gift of the Gab. Uh, yes. and, and again, listeners, I'll be sure to put this specific show in the show notes, um, where you spoke with Sobia Salim and Sadie Hernandez about the work they do at the LGBTQ Center in Orange Cal uh, County, California. Um, and I really appreciated the focus on intersectionality, um, mm -hmm. again, a concept coined by Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw where folks can be both queer and people of faith. As we were talking at the top of this episode, you know, when we're thinking of media representation, it's very, very rare that you would see a character on that intersection. So I really appreciated that episode because I think um, when we tell the story that those two identities cannot meet, it's it's not true, of course. It's inaccurate. It's inaccurate. And I do think that narrative is very harmful. Um, so I'm wondering for that episode, you know, now that you have had you know, so many shows, so many seasons, how that specific episode might speak to the big vision that you have for your podcast and, and maybe like the mission that you had for the podcast when you first started out or uh, again, recognizing that a show like yours, when it's had so much time and so much traction, maybe your vision for what it is capable of doing, maybe that shifts. I don't know. Well, my gift of the gab is started out with this with a very small idea that there's many difficult conversations that need to be had and as people it's not just about muslims or not muslim everybody we are all um we have a lot of things that we sweep under the rug but those things and again as i've grown older i've seen the very real damage it does and I think that's it. It comes from a uh, sadly, it comes from a place of rage at this point, where I'm like, I'm done, okay, with everybody sweeping stuff under the rug. Yeah, you're uncomfortable with it, but the fact is, it doesn't make it go away. And the fact is that when I um, you know, in my life, in my personal experiences, um, as a a person of faith, there's a lot of conflicting information you have and you get what is what is right what isn't right uh what is good what is bad what are good people what are bad people um i think the mistake we often make is is that life is black and white that's not how it is people are not black and white people just because of one thing or the other are not inherently good or bad it's not that's not how that works and this episode specifically came about with this growing, I I would say, an underbelly movement within the Muslim community itself, where there are more and more queer people who want to be, who want to exist peacefully. Okay, it, that's that's all there is to it. And I see it in not just in Muslim queer people, but in queer people people in general. They just want to be, just just exist and have a place 
a, a segment that's just theirs, where they're safe. And there's a lot of uh, really terrible things that they have to go through just because they are who they are. And I can't speak in any religious context with, with any religious knowledge because I've, and I've repeated this over and over in my episodes that like, even on a good day, I'm just a barely average Muslim with barely average information on anything. But I do know that there are people, Muslim queer people who are struggling with the fact that they are, they, they may be in, in any part of the LGBTQI plus community and they are just struggling with being accepted as they are and not being tormented in any way. Um, I put that episode specifically out there that there is a narrative that needs to be heard, that they are people who are just wanting to exist and that they are struggling because of how they are viewed. And we need to be able to have this conversation because the world has shifted. Whether we'd like to admit it or not, um, it's very different from 30 years ago, as I said, before the internet, mm -hmm. you know. Um, there is a there is such a deep level of connection between us whether we like it or not or whether we use it for good or not is a separate conversation but with the internet with our ability to reach other people people want themselves to be seen and heard and that's a very integral right of everybody not just because they look a certain way be a certain way everybody has the right to be and when we deprive other people of that, of their very existence and humanity as they are, we are contributing to a very prevalent evil. And I'll say it as it is, that we're, we, are, we are a source of oppression, a very real oppression of people. So I, I, I in good faith, you know, there was no way I could not do that episode because we need to come to a reckoning of how we are treating everybody, whether they're queer, whether they are, are of any other um, like nationality, like gender identity, social identity, doesn't matter. If we are to exist in this world, we need to come to the reckoning that we do have to treat people with respect because we are coming in contact with everybody now. We can't like have the blinders on anymore. Like we can't be just, oh, I'm going to be nice to these people, but not to these people. That's not, not I mean, it, it shouldn't have been that way to start with, but yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And and again, it, it's a great episode. And I, I feel like you, you really commit to, you know, I, I love that you use the phrase, you know, we're, we're past the point of being able to sweep things under the rug. It's like the rug is too big now, right? Like we tried to put too much in there. No, no, um, there's too much, too many things outside of the yeah, rug now. Yes. The rug's still teeny. <laughs> That's right. Um, and I, I think you do such a great job in that episode of really sort of pushing and prodding and representing ignorance in a really authentic way way because i i think honestly that some of the questions that you bring and and you 
you bring the hard questions and you bring them in the way that sometimes they arrive, which I, I thought was was really um, was really powerful because, as I said earlier, I do think that podcasts have so much potential, and I think mm-hmm. for listeners to just sit with that show and really think about it um, is really meaningful. And and I I love that you bring up, you know, none of us are totally good, totally bad. Um, it reminds me of I can't remember who did this piece of research, but I will put it in the show notes. Um, They talk again about this idea of representation and stories and how when we talk about heroes or villains or the way a story might present a hero or a villain, sometimes we ignore the systems at play and, you know, like behind any hero, there's a whole system that's, you know, allowing for that hero to do what they need to do. And behind every villain, there's a system that makes Mm -hmm. what they do possible as well. And so um, I I just appreciate you reminding me of that. So thank you so much for the work that you are doing with your podcast. Listeners, be sure to follow it in the show notes. I'll be sure to link to it. Um, it It was really a privilege to meet with you. So thank you for giving up some of your time today. Thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy having these conversations. Again, it's those conversations that need to be had. Um, I think the more we can listen to other perspectives, the more we find out and the more we can expand what we know of ourselves and other people. So beautifully said. Thank you. As always, listeners, thank you so much for giving up some of your time this week to listen to this episode. We're back again next Thursday. Independent podcasts like the one you're listening to right now rely so heavily on ratings and reviews. If you have a free 30 seconds, I would so appreciate if you could leave a review of the show and rate it. Wishing you all a great weekend.